Welcome to the Elks Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara. Uh, this is a audio clip from a uh, Zoom call that I did to correspond with the release of the Analytics of Dynasty, uh, the Dynasty Team Building Guide, uh, which is now available on the website. So you can go ahead and get that uh, today. And um, uh, you can in- also enjoy the podcast and listen to the uh, the the call the audio of the call that we did uh talked about some stuff took some questions uh had a good conversation did a little aod state of the union as well so you can go check all that out it's about an hour so 55 minutes i think um or an hour in that range so you can go check all that out and then um you know go ahead and uh, get your dynasty team building guide and um if you have if you haven't already and uh, and consider subscribing to the website uh, you can use the uh, the promo code here. It'll be AOD2023 for 20% off first-time subscribers. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. So um, thanks for listening to this. And um, until next time, continue to embrace the variance. We'll talk again very soon. All right, welcome to the Analytics of Dynasty uh, pre-order release party. We're going to call it a party. Um uh, this is uh, the fifth book, um, and so I, ha- I do have some questions. I'm just going to run down some stuff uh, from from the book, and then I will take specific questions. Obviously, this is sort of early in the process of this book being released. I think I officially released it maybe like three hours ago, so I don't think anyone's probably read it um, yet. Um, so um, a couple of things that are different about this book um, – and a couple of things that I'm uh, excited about with this book. So uh, as I was writing, I almost didn't write a 2023 edition of Analytics Dynasty. Um, I had gotten kind of the point of like, after last year's one, like I thought like, you know, what sort of more, like it felt like we were kind of drilling down on, on some stuff, um, but I didn't have like, a, it, it felt like something was missing. And so I, you know, really kicked around the idea of not doing one. Um, I spent a lot of time researching and just sort of researching for the sake of researching this off season. Um, and then I sort of got into the process of like, well, what we don't really have. And one of the things that we, um, you know, for subscribers, right, for Analytics of Dynasty subscribers, and this is one of the things that like, I think it's interesting from a, from like a almost a bias perspective, right? I've actually learned a lesson from Dynasty from this experience, which is when you surround yourself with a bunch of people that are thinking about the same thing and talking about the same thing and experiencing the same thing, and you spend a lot of time with these people, you tend to see this the world the same way. And that's not a bad thing, but what you what we all we if you're an Analytics Dynasty subscriber, if you're in the group chat, if you're listening to 300 plus podcasts a year, we have a little bit of groupthink. Um, which again, I think our group thinks probably better than a lot of group think, right? I think, um, our way of building teams is the superior way, but that doesn't mean we're perfect. Um, so what, so that was one of the things that I really sort of came back to. The other thing that I had sort of failed to capture was sort of like a grand theory, Right. And I hadn't, you know, I've kind of captured it in my own mind. Um, I'd captured it kind of in a, um, you know, in a lot of the stuff that we, you know, some simple rules, right. When the trade question comes into me, how do we react to it? Well, like there's only 
like, I don't know, 30 or 40 different ways we could actually react to that question. Typically, it's all a pattern, right? They, it's probably even less than that. It's probably like 10, right? Like if you, if you were really being honest with ourselves, what we're doing is it's a lot of patterns, right? And so we end up sort of thinking that way. And so almost to the point of where I felt a little bit stale in the writing process, it kind of dawned on me that what feels stale about the writing process um, was is that we're not actually sharing what we're, what we're doing in terms of building teams. And that was the thing for me that I said, let's do something different. Let's tackle it in a, in a big way. Um, I don't typically love writing about my teams. Um, it has been some of the best reacted to content, which is interesting uh, when I write about my teams and some of the decisions that I make, especially the failures. Um, those have been some of the best reactions that I've gotten from people. Um, but it's never something that I love to do uh, just because I don't think like, you know, I don't think content was like, hey, I'm going to talk about what I did in my draft is the most compelling stuff. But I do think it's compelling from the purpose of this um, in the sense that it shows a different way and it shows a different way of, of doing things that I think is valuable. Um, I think for, for us, you know, for people that are subscribers that have been subscribers to AOD from the jump, right. I think this is a lot of, you know, sort of, um, kind of putting it all in one place. I think if you've never heard of me and you pick this book up, it's going to be something that might be a little shocking to you in terms of how we build teams. So um, I think it's for everybody. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, and one of the things that I was most excited about is um, I was trying to challenge myself to do basically the thing of um, to, to put it all on one page. And I, I spent a ton of time trying to think about how to do that. Uh, I spent a ton of time thinking about, you know, how many things could I put in a chart? Um, the idea was actually came out of um, a chart that was shared uh, with me. I think it was in a group chat at some point, uh, but it was shared with me um, that the Cleveland Browns have. And it was basically like, here are all the things we believe about team building. And it was an interesting thing to look at. Um, I thought for the purposes of actually looking at it for dynasty, um, it had to be a little bit more to it. Um, not that building NFL teams is less complicated than ours, but um, there's some specific different things that we that we think about in some different ways. Um, you know, startup drafts, the NFL doesn't have those, so we have to address those positional stuff, right? Just a little bit different stuff in terms of how we look at it. So I wanted to put it all in one spot. So the last chapter, so chapter 11, is essentially just a chart. It is a chart of basically all the rules in one place, all the things that we believe in one place, um, which was a lot of fun to write. Um, uh, I got feedback from a, a handful of different people. Um, that thing took a long time to do. Um, I want it to be so that way you can print it out. It's color coded and everything. Um, that way you can print it out or download it or take a picture of it when you're in a draft or whatever. And you know, when you're thinking through a decision, right, that'll give you the way to go, right? That'll be, that's not the, the answer to every question, but that's really kind of where you go, right? Uh, wide receivers over running back early, right? Running back, um, uh, you know, running back average deep down the board doesn't matter, right? Wide receiver average is a lot more important than anything, right? At the position, right? Different things like that, that we know that almost to a point of like, I've kind of taken for granted, 
of like, hey, here's some stuff that I know. And we just sort of talk about and I've almost sort of taken it for granted that people have known. So, um, again, I write this every year and it becomes one of those things where I sort of I know it. I kind of know my own stuff better than anyone because I spend so much time with it sort of in my own head. So it is kind of nice to sort of take a step back and try to do not drill down, but actually go up to like 50,000 feet and look down on it and say, here are the things that we believe. So, so yeah, so that's all the rules in one spot. Um, and if you sort of, someone mentioned in the chat, if you wanted to start someplace, I don't think chapter 11 is the wrong place to start. So, um, so there's that, um, a couple of things that are pretty awesome this year. Um, um, so each year for the rebuilding guide, I have sort of the team, um, like the team, I, it's basically a living journal essentially at this point, uh, I went through some of the rebuild stuff and I've kind of added to it each year to sort of take through the journey, which I think is different content than people really, uh, put out there. Again, I don't necessarily love it being all focused on my stuff, but I do think if you can sort of detail in your stuff, I do think that's stuff that people have found uh, helpful in the past. So I like doing that. Um, I found some of the trades as I went back and looked at it fascinating. People will tell you that you can't win with elite running backs because the longevity factor. Um, I netted uh, Josh Jacobs and uh, Austin Eckler in that league in trade downs. They finished as running back one and running back three. I netted them in trade downs. Um, uh, Eckler in a trade down and a first. Okay, and I got uh, Josh Jacobs. I, I don't know if it was technically a trade down. It was Jameis Winston for him, and like there was a pick swap in there. Right, it wasn't expensive. Um, you know, I, I think that like, and it was actually a cascade. It was part of a cascade deal. So. I think when you look at those things, like I think it's really interesting. Some of the stuff that's so believed in dynasty and the dynasty mainstream uh, that it's very different than a lot of the things that, that um, have proven to be true. So at least for me. So um, I did like sharing all that stuff. Um, I'm proud of the fact too, that we have um, two different uh, subscriber contributors in this as well. Uh, they are chapters. Uh, let's see here uh seven and eight uh they're chapter seven and eight of the book um uh uh yo mama or larry uh low mama yo mama is the street name uh larry uh does one as well as mike i was struck by those because it's interesting when you i, I thought they were very they were they they got to the same type of chord but actually came at it a little bit differently um which i thought was interesting um uh, you know, I'll I'll play spoiler on this. Mike wins a championship, and I think he just lulled everyone to sleep in the off season. Like it just kind of was like over and over and over and over and over good process. And then all of a sudden, you look at the team, you're like, what the what happened? Like it was like it just was uh, very additive. So I found that to be really uh, really compelling. Um, I do a couple of trade start uh, trade things in there as well. Um, or a couple of startup drafts in there as well um, to kick all that in. There is two things that I brought back that I thought if I'm actually going to do a comprehensive team guide, um, they have to be in there. Uh, that was the running back valuation stuff from, I think it was the 2020 edition or the, it was the second one. I think, I think it was the 2021, uh, the 2020 year edition, right? The one that was released this time in 2020. I believe it was from that one. Uh, and then I brought back the hierarchy of assets, which 
I mean, that's how I kind of see the world. So, um, so I thought that had to be in this as an actual team building guide there. So that's the overall process about it. Um, and it was, it was a fun experience. So, uh, it was a fun experience to write. Uh, I have some good quotes at the beginning of it. I've managed to quote a Nobel laureate and Blink-182 on the same page. So, I challenge any dynasty writer to do that um, and show me where it fits in thematically quite like ours did. So, all right, I'm going to take some questions. I got some questions in here. If anyone has questions, you know, drop them in. That link is the easiest way because it just actually aggregates them right for me. And I will, uh, I'll be able to respond. 16-team Superflex startup with six-point passing touchdown, drafting from 102 after taking Mahomes or Allen at 102. That's what I would do. What are the lowest quarterback tier you'd feel comfortable taking as your quarterback two? Um, you know, you're going to be in a spot where right, it's it's even more important uh, at quarterback to, you know, if you get two really good secure ones in a 16-team league, uh, you're really running up an edge on people. So, like, I might go, you know, I'd be curious to see sort of what that looks like when you get back to it. Um, you know, I think in a format like that, there's always going to be demand for quarterback. So um, I would, you know, I, listen, if I'm if I'm in a 16-team league, I am at this point in the offseason, I think your, your best bet is to explore trade-up. Um, I, I always think trading up in a startup draft is best done early. That's one of the things I talked about in the book. Uh, and one of the reasons why I think it's best done early is because all the risk, and you'll sort of see this, this is a theme that happens in the book, all the risk, or a lot of the risk, more risk, disproportionate amount of risk is faced by cheaper guys. So your cheaper guys uh, are more likely to have guys drafted over them. They're more likely to have guys um, signed in free agency. They're more likely to have competition internally on their team, right? And I'm talking about receivers, running backs, tight ends, right? All of those quarterbacks, all of those things are true, right? Your cheaper guys are disproportionately more likely. Uh, that's true for guys in, in startup drafts, uh, which we sort of talk about in the book. Uh, it's true for guys in rookie, you know, young players as well, guys that were recently drafted in the NFL draft. So the risk is, is a lot higher. I also have some rates in the book about how – the offseason affects different groups of players, which I thought was an interesting thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of truisms in Dynasty. I don't think anyone backs it up with data. We actually have some data that actually shows different parts of the positions that are actually impacted differently, which um, I think is, is an important thing as well. I think that's pretty – it's one of the more valuable things that I understood in this. Um, all that is to say that if you're sitting here early – Right, and you have a scenario where you can trade up for an elite quarterback um, at the price of depth. Do it because that depth is super fragile, and the elite quarterback super sturdy. So uh, the answer to this question is: I would do anything to get up into the top three to five and draft two of them. Right? Um, I'll, when I say anything, I would try and do it if at all possible without a future first giving it up. But I will say, uh, if you want to. Um, you know, if you want to give up a future first, like, you know, in a, in a format like this, if you get a top 10 quarterback out of it, that's the way to go. So I would explore that for sure. Um, to truly answer the question, sort of what would I be comfortable doing? I mean, I, I suspect in this format that guys like Watson and Prescott will be gone by the time you get there. Uh, you know, deeper down, like I'm in on Wilson. I think he's a bounce back candidate. And I think we already see him rising this week. Um 
which should be of no surprise. Cousins, I'm sure, is probably available in there. Um, you might even go, you know, is this, uh, I mean, can you go Wilson Stafford? I haven't seen enough startup draft ADP, and I'd be curious to see how these guys go off the board. You know, but I would, you know, if you can draft three guys, um, you know, relatively early in the draft, I think it makes some sense, um, especially attacking a premium, especially um, I wouldn't take a ton of risk at quarterback early in this format. I would just try and get as many guys as I could. Um, and then, you know, constantly hammer the position, attack premiums, attack premiums, attack premiums. Um, I would do that throughout this, right? Jordan Love, you know, um, just keep, just keep it, you know, Jacoby Brissett is depth, right? Just in this format, this early in the, in the off season, attack the premiums over and over and over again. Hope that helps. Uh, with Peyton to Denver, has your Russ outlook changed at all? How high are you taking him in a super flex startup draft? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't trust keep trade cut all that well, uh, with their quarterback valuations because I don't think that they're right, um, uh, at least in relation to the other positions. Um, they're probably right internally, but um, I, I am a little skeptical of their rightness sort of uh, between positions. Um, he was, uh, let's see, he was quarterback 23 as recently as like, the beginning of January, he's bumped up to 17. Um, that makes some sense. Uh, I think he finishes this quarter, this offseason as a high quarterback too, or an ADP. I think he's going to bounce back. I think the Peyton stuff's going to help him. Um, you know, if you can nab him at quarterback 20 prices right now, I think you're almost, uh, I think you're almost certainly uh, going to be um, a profit, right? Before you even actually see him play. So that would sort of be my thought there. Um, I am not scared of the Russ profile. Um, I think that um, I think things went very poorly last year, uh, but I don't think that um, I don't think like his season's over. You can you can say it look it went poorly. You can also say that there was it went poorly and there was bad variance, right? I think that's one of the things. Like when you look at some of the expectation stuff like that, he was under in terms of touchdowns, right? If that if he had performed over expectation in terms of some fantasy scoring, but still didn't play that well, we wouldn't be here. Right? And it's that's all variance. So I think that this is a unique time to buy him low. Again, I kind of trust in Sean Payton. Uh, low priority question. I don't believe there's anything as low priority. We'll get this. Um, everything's everything's good priority. Uh, I understand this is a dynasty space, but many of us also played in some redraft. Uh, what are some strategies you've found through your dynasty analysis that's particularly effective in redraft? Congrats on the new book. Thank you. Um, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of right so what are the things that that people will um attack us for attack me for um is the running back longevity questions right which obviously isn't a you know if i'm taking samaj p ryan at running back i don't know 48 versus i don't know kj osborne right some some you know random wide receiver in that range right the argument is oh the wide receivers got more value long term well you know great like what what difference does that make a i don't really think that's true data wise b i don't think like it really matters and c um whatever value that i can get p ryan in the lineup is probably going to be better than what i can get as one in the lineup so so all of those things right so 
that's not present in Dynasty or in Redraft, right? You don't you're not as much worried about it. People will still go wide receiver heavy because they want to play wide receivers in the flex. Um, I don't want to play wide receivers in the flex. I actually went through a league in this book where I, st- I think I started Gabe Davis every week. Um, I won the league, and I started – it was a mandatory start three, um, and I started literally three every week. No more. <laughs> not any week. Um and I just ground down the opponents in the flex. I mean, just, oh, I mean, just bludgeon. Um, and that included, by the way, um, like some Dallas Goddard weeks where I actually got it way wrong. Like there was some stuff in the, in the book that's pretty funny about how uh, I implemented our strategy, did it, frankly, poorly, um, and came out way ahead, right? And it's not necessarily poorly in a way that's um, – it's not necessarily poorly in a way that's, um, you know, like I was screwing up the strategy. It's just like, hey, I kind of like just decided wrong on lineup decisions. But I was so far ahead from a strategic perspective that there's a lot of leeway there. So um, so I, I think that that's a lot of the stuff, right? Playing to the format, um, you know, I continue to sort of double down on, you know, the positional construct stuff. Um, and I think there's even less risk to it because you're just trying for the elite outcome. We know rostering a ton of running backs and playing tight at wide receiver we know that that's higher ceiling and so that's what you're trying to capture so i really lean into that um any positional premiums too i lean hard into those um you know and just take as many high end swings as you can um and again being like super active like kind of being a week ahead in the waiver wire i think is pretty valuable um, especially when you're in a format that doesn't in redraft, this isn't an insult to redraft people. Um, but if there's not, you know, if you're playing with people that play redraft, they're probably not going to the depths that you're going to go on the waiver wire, right? They're probably not in on, I don't have a great example from this year, but they're not in on running back threes, right? They're not in, they're not thinking at the depths of sort of churning out running backs that we are. Um, so that would be something I kind of think ahead about. Um, and I think that's an edge, uh, in a, in a redraft format with people that don't play a lot of dynasty. Uh, got a super flex league where I have Mahomes and Rogers. What type of urgency should I have, uh, with so many uncertainties, uh, for Rogers future? It's a good question. Um, I don't, I wouldn't panic. Um, I don't, again, you don't have a lineup need in February. Um, so I, I think this one's one where you have a lot of options, right? I mean, in a worst case scenario, you don't like Mahomes, and a couple of other guys playing, you know, at the top 10 of their position, probably going to drag you to the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, even if the rest of your lineup is like replacement level, right, that's kind of how the math works out. So um, I wouldn't super panic on this, um, but I would be looking at options, right? I would start, you know, and I have the whole quarterback chapter in there about how to fix position. So, I mean, go sort of implement those strategies, right? I would, um, I think, I think quarterbacks is, is a position where you spend a lot of time trying to get elite assets, right? I don't think that wide receiver is a position that you should do that at. I don't typically think that running back's a position that you should do that at. I think quarterback is, like, if you're going to spend your time doing something, like, spend it trying to trade for elite quarterbacks, especially this early in the offseason. So that's always the option. Um, I might take shots in a scenario like this on, on Russ. I might take shots on um, – on Stafford, right? Sort of do your buy low guys. And again, I think the volume approach can actually help you. You know, can you be in on, you know, is Jameis Winston available as a throw in a deal? Is Andy Dalton available as a throw in a deal, right? You sort of 
just amplify your options, right? That would sort of be the thing that I would do. Um, and in addition to always pursuing an elite upside uh, quarterback. So that would be the blend that I would have. Are you the real one or the fake one? Uh, the real Jordan or the fake Jordan? Uh, I am actually the real one. And I didn't realize this, that the other Jordan. So I used to have a, um, a colleague who was a woman and her name was Jordan. And she started like a couple of years after me. So I coined the nickname, the other Jordan for her. So it was, I was Jordan and she was the other Jordan. So, um, and that sort of stuck. So the other Jordan in our group chat decided that it would be funny to name himself the fake Jordan in the group chat and then actually use a picture of me which with, and I didn't realize this until today, um, it looks like I'm, I have a mustache like drawn on my face, which is funny because I actually have a beard going right now. Um, and it appears that I'm wearing a sombrero. Um, so I thought that that was pretty funny. Um, but I am the actual real one. All right, will the Cowboys blow up their offense this year, maybe moving Dak and Zeke for picks, using Cooper as a bridge of quarterback this year and bringing a quarterback to lead? Um, I doubt it. Uh, I doubt – I mean – I don't know. They, they've kind of redoubled down on committing to Dak. Like, I don't know. I, I look at Dak Prescott and I think, like, all right, how many guys out there have actually led the league in offense? Right? He's basically done it, uh, I think it's been two of the last four years. Um, he did it, I think it was last year, and then for that period early a couple of years ago, he did it as well. Um he didn't do it for a full season, but sort of through before he got hurt, they were the league leaders in offense. So I think Dak Prescott, like Dak Prescott's at the, Dak Prescott's basically Joe Burrow three years from now. And again, that's not a knock on Joe Burrow. I know Cincinnati loves me. Um, but what happens for quarterbacks is you get the benefit of rookie deal. You can be awesome on it. And then ultimately like the price that you pay right the reason why you get paid is because you have to overcome the loss of uh, the supporting cast around you right they pay you to overcome that right that is why you are paid right you, unless you're going to unless you believe a quarterback can overcome a loss of you know high-end wide receivers and a loss i mean just look at you know the loss of Amari cooper the loss of tyreek hill for kansas city right you start losing guys uh, you know donovan people's jones is going to be the wide receiver two for cleveland right like you start losing guys you start having to play with you know lesser lines right you start having to play with a lesser defense because you're making up you're being paid 55 million dollars a year Right? Like the reason that you're paid that much is you have to overcome the fact that you're going to have um, a team that's going to have to spend down at, at your supporting cast. Right, You have to overcome that. That's, kind, that's why they pay you. Um, we're going to see that with, with uh, Cincinnati. Right? I put out a tweet today that was, uh, you know, they sh Cincinnati has to be very careful not to fall into the – everyone wants to project B. John Robinson to Cincinnati. They have to be very careful not to fall into the Kansas City CEH trap. That's not to say that Bijan Robinson and CEH are the same player. That's not what I'm saying. The problem is when you get a quarterback that's going to get paid, all of a sudden you start running into some real financial constraints. Okay, and I'll give you an example. Okay, I will give you an example. Um, look at the career of DK Metcalf. Okay, he's been, I would say, very good, right? He was drafted. Uh, in the uh, after the the Michael Hardman uh, year, so I believe he would be 
think this is his fourth or fifth year. Um, the 2019 draft. Okay, so when you look actually at the 2019 draft, uh, he went, I just want to make sure I have the numbers right here. Uh, he went 50. Uh, <laughs> he went 64. He went 64. Uh, and that was the year that, um, you know, uh, the Chiefs actually took McCole Hartman. Um, you look at that and then you kind of compare, uh, you know, where the Chiefs actually went with Clyde Edwards Lair at the end of the first round. And just sort of look at those two decisions, right? Uh, if they had hit on a guy like, if they'd taken a guy um, like Metcalf instead of taking McCole Hardman, right? If you sort of look at that, you know, just sort of think about them doing that and sort of the edge that that would give you. Again, they missed on their guy, but let's think through the lens of if they had hit, and we'll just use DK Metcalf as a proxy. DK Metcalf uh, currently is on a contract where he is signed for um, uh, the rest of it has basically $24 million a year for the rest of the contract. Okay, that is the seventh most uh, at the position. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Cup, A.J. Brown, Diggs, and then Metcalf. And Metcalf's in there with Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, uh, and then it's like a tear break. Okay, so that's basically your top 10 of guys getting paid on their contracts throughout the rest of the year. Flip that over to the running back position for a second. Okay, there are, we'll say about 20 guys that are paid more per year at the running back position, at the wide receiver position, than the highest paid running back who's Christian McCaffrey. Okay, Christian McCaffrey, uh, let's see, we'll actually go down here. Robert Woods at 16.25 million dollars is actually paid more per year than Christian McCaffrey does. Okay, so which of those positions would you rather have in a rookie deal? Would you rather have B. John Robinson or would you rather have a wide receiver? Right, well. I can get a backup. I can get a running back in free agency a lot cheaper, right? I mean, if if Josh Jacobs goes into free agency and draws ten million dollars this year, I think it would surprise a lot of people. Last year, uh, the uh, the Eagles traded for and then signed AJ Brown to a deal that was twenty five million dollars a year. Okay, they traded a first round pick to pay. AJ Brown 2.5 times more money a year than a team signing Josh Jacobs could not pay any picks for uh, and sign for $10 million. Okay. Um, that is a, uh, that's the finance game, right? And so that's the reason why you don't draft a running back early because they're, they're B. John Robinson can be transcendent. Um, it's, he's still is going to, it's still a huge cost savings to have wide receivers over, over him, right. To have offensive, to draft an offensive tackle, to draft an address or to draft a cornerback, right. It's just, it's a depressed position, right. They're going to fall into the same sort of trap of doing that. Right. And they're going to, Cincinnati's going to start to sort of experience that same problem as, as Dallas has. So I found that to be real, an interesting cop in all of this. Uh, I could talk about Kansas. I think because I think Kansas City's gonna, I think Cincinnati's going to have to trade uh, T. Higgins because they can't afford to pay him. So that's sort of how I look at Dallas, right? I look at Dallas is basically kind of like the end process of where Cincinnati kind of is right now. Cincinnati got to a higher peak. We'll see how they they bottom out, or you know how they what what their level is, right? Um, so I don't think they're gonna. 
bottom out and uh, trade deck. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, it'd be interesting to see what Cooper Rush drew on the market. Um, I think they're going to sort of rebuild around him, retool around him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they make the numbers work. Um, they might even have to extend Dak and try and create some cap flexibility. We'll see. Um, I think Dak Prescott's the quarterback of the future. Um, all right. I cannot un- attend uh, the session live, unfortunately. There were some um, there were some people in here who said that. So um, thanks for sending in your questions. Um, if you believe in an offense like I do in the Chargers long-term or dynasty, are you opposed to leaning into – uh, double or triple stacks with position players weekly, uh, as well as rostering backups for position uh, for production tails. Uh, uh, for what? Excuse, I can't read out loud. Um, as well as rostering backups for when production tails off or careers end. I have Herbert, uh, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett, DeAndre Carter, Donald Parham. Uh, Jalen Guyton and Chase Daniel, or would you rather sell off some pieces as high-powered offense to diversify your risk weekly across positions? Um, and that's from Jeremy. Um, I would say uh, it depends. I would be curious to know the depth of your league um, because guys like Parham, you know, if you're in a 25-man league, I don't think you can afford to roster guys like Parham and Jalen Guyton. Um, and, and DeAndre Carter is probably not rostered as well. If you're in a 53-man roster, I think that's a different story. So I think that's the one thing. Um, as a, so, again, make sure your, op, your offense is optimized. And you might want to take a long-term bet in a team. You don't necessarily need to take it now, right? You can sort of, um, you, know, you know, there was talk today that Josh Kelly is the next Tony Pollard. I was like, he's a bad version of Zeke Elliott. Um, uh, you know, but... Right, if you want to take a shot at the Chargers offense, take a shot at him. Right, um, that would sort of be the thing that I would think about. You know, you can take a shot on a guy like Jalen Guyton or DeAndre Carter, uh, assuming that your league is in a forty-plus man roster. You can take that uh, in free agency, and you don't even necessarily know. Again, these are the type of risky profiles you look at early in the offseason. Um, so just sort of make sure you're optimized there. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I don't have a problem with it, especially around a young quarterback. Um, it will change. Right. Again, you could have said a couple of years ago, I, I went into, a, I was in a league a couple of years ago where I was like, okay, I drafted, um, or I had Mahomes and then I traded for Tyree Kill and I actually traded for Stefan Diggs as well. And I have Mahomes, Allen, Hill, and Diggs. So I had a double stack. Uh, and I was like, oh, this would be great for the next three to five years. I'm just going to be rolling it. And then six months later the receiver you know Terry Kill was traded and it was totally unexpected I didn't anticipate it so I do think um you know I I do think that um you know that there's not I don't think there's a ton of risk in that um but I will say like it's not for long so don't expect to sort of be able to get that right long term would sort of be the thing that I would say um all right would you buy sell mixing for um what would you buy or sell mixing for uh, given today's news? Uh, I doubt there's going to be buyers for a second or anything like that. It's kind of what I would have expected his valuation to be in. I don't think you're going to get a first. Um, I would have added to him to get like a 2024 first, probably, if you were to like. I hadn't given it a much consideration because my leagues haven't opened up 2024 first and a lot of them yet. So I hadn't really sort of explored that marketplace yet. But that would have been something I would have thought about. Um, I doubt that's going to happen. I've seen some news today that he was, you know, there was an arrest warrant issued for him and that it's come out that, uh, you know, his attorney is saying that it's going to be rescinded tomorrow. Like if I had a dollar for every time a defense attorney told me something that uh, didn't or wasn't going to happen, um, I would be 
very, very rich person. So um, I, I don't know what to make of all of that. We will see and let it play out. Um, I would, I'd buy for a fourth. I'd buy for a late third. Yeah, I'd, buy, I'd do those deals. Um, I thought he was a cut candidate before this. Again, I don't think if you're going to have to decide between do I pay T. Higgins or do I pay Mixon, you're going to try and free up money. I think you got to cut Mixon, right? But again, I, I think it's going to be hard to sort of make all that work. But he's going to be, you know, he's going to be one of the consequences of that is kind of what I've thought anyway. So um, I think he's a potential cut guy. And we'll see here going forward. But um, yeah, I don't know. Let's see how the week plays out. He's, of course, presumed innocent and hasn't even formally been arrested yet. Uh, with Supermax quarterback number increasing this year, from what startup spot do you start considering trading up? Uh, I'll draft from 106 and feel confident I'll get Herbert or Watson. I think you should get Watson. Um, I would try for both, would sort of be my thought. Um, I think if you want to go you know, in that range, like I think Herbert's probably going to be a historically good quarterback five in Dynasty. I think that's probably um, – I talked about it, I think it was in – I think it's the podcast I release tomorrow um, about uh, about the AFC questions. I think it's tomorrow's podcast. Uh, I think I recorded it last night. Um, I talked about how Herbert's like quarterback five at keep trade cut right now, and he's basically at the point where like he had what would I think be considered a little bit of a down year uh, from like a ceiling perspective. But if you drafted him at three, like you're perfectly like that's exactly like another hit sort of you have three hits in the midst of your rookie deal like that's a, a overwhelming early career success right you're you're in elite territory already and he falls in price to quarterback five that's not an indictment of him that's a endorsement of the rest of the position you have guys like Jalen Hurts jump up there you have um, Burrow actually jumping ahead of him as well so um, I think you know I think he's going to be sort of um historically discounted would sort of be my thought um i haven't seen enough adp to try to to trust yet um we're still waiting for some more to trickle in for the the rdp tracker for this year um i mean i would imagine that you're going to get a quarterback you like in the second round i would imagine that that's true so i'd certainly be thinking about that um as well you know again do you want to trade up for herbert i would i would go from like I'd rather have Herbert than Lawrence, and I'd say that would be a meaningful upgrade for me. So, if it, if I was sort of sitting there, and I had to move from six to four to make that happen, I'd probably do it, um, and then hope to really hammer out uh, the quarterback in the second round. If Bijan goes in the first round, what tier of the running back position? I mean, that will put him instantly into being a star. Uh, star running back, I believe. Um, he would technically qualify as a core. Uh, a core is a uh, running back 6 through 13 in first-round rookies. However, I think he would jump ahead of that because he would be in the uh, top five of ADP would be my assumption. So I would imagine that he would be a star asset. Uh, okay, next one here. Um, that's it. Uh, let's see. Is there any questions in the chat here? Um uh, oh, I got it. Okay. Um, and then the, yep. Okay. Got all the questions. I believe I'll just hit refresh here one more time. Um, I am, you know, if you're, if you're not a uh, subscriber to analytics of dynasty, uh, there is a, a promo code, uh, for, uh, for it in the email for today's book. You can go ahead and get that. Um, you know, I talk up our subscription for a couple of reasons. A, I spend a lot of time doing it. Um, 
it was 365 podcasts, I believe, last year. There was six, there was 380 the year before, 388 the year before. I don't know where the 23 difference came from. It must have been something I did weekly that I broke into a couple spots. I don't know. I have to go back and look because I've recorded. I didn't record less days, I don't think. Maybe like maybe a week less, but I don't I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at that because I was curious when I saw that. Um, but anyways, um, the um, uh, yeah. So the uh, the subscription, um, you're gonna get you know, all those podcasts, all the stuff we're talking about. A lot of t- hierarchy of asset stuff. The other thing that you get with the with the if you're new to the book, you're thinking about the book um, for you know this year. If you're sort of newer to AOD. And you look and you see the hierarchy of assets, and you're like, okay, well, who goes in there? Um, I can't publish it because it changes by market value, right? So if guys go up, guys go down, guys change, right? They change tiers. I can't really publish it and it'd be ever, evergreen, but I do update it on the site, right? So that's something I can offer to subscribers that I can't really offer to book purchasers because I think it's a disservice. Um, and it's almost like a fantasy magazine where, uh, you know, it becomes dated at the minute it's printed which has always been the thing that i've tried to avoid with aod books Um, but i can constantly update it and cover it with with content on the website so that's the thing that you'll we'll see in this book that'll be very different for you um some additional questions oh uh derek followed up uh what was the last part you said about a move from 106 to 104 Um, i would be fine like if you if the if you're at 106 and you want to sort of move up one spot to assure yourself jalen hurts or uh uh, Burrow or Herbert, right? If those are your top five guys and you want to move up to assure yourself that, that's fine. Um, Lamar Jackson in that mid first is probably discounted as well. Um, you know, I, I've expressed some concerns and questions about whether or not I want to, um, you know, I want to see sort of what happens with him from a contract perspective. And again, the Russell Wilson changing teams factor right the 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 uh we'll, we'll add that into the supermax caution right a caution sign in the supermax category of if he's going to change teams you got to be you know at least uh, open to maybe seeing that a little bit more so this, those are the kind of the parts that i have a little bit of concern with about him uh and i would have him you know i'd, I'd want to i feel more comfortable about his profile than i do about lawrence's so i think that that is the um that would be the move that I would be fine moving up one spot. Um, I think there's a tier, to put it a different way, I think there's a tier in the top two, and then I think there's a tier from three to five, probably in startups this year, at least at the quarterback position. Uh, what's the benefit of the group, me? What are you missing out most on? You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, I have been um, – I notice things about the group, me, that, that are pretty awesome, um, and uh, – you know, you see people who are new, who I know are new to Dynasty, or I know a little bit more about than people in the in the chat will. Um, and I like to let people converse. I don't like to sort of be a dictatorial person. Uh, I worked for a dictatorial uh, leader at uh, at my old job. It's the reason I'm not there anymore. Um, well, one of a couple of reasons I'm not there anymore. But um, I always learned that you know, when he was in the room, no good ideas were passed around. So I like to sit back and let people converse. And if I think something's going in a way that I have additional stuff to add to, I will do it. But I don't like to just sort of come in and, and just, you know, lay down the law for back, lack of a better, a lack of a better term. Um, so I like the conversation. 
Um, I like to see that. I, I observe it without commenting a lot of times just because I, I think uh, people get stuff out of that. Right? I have always gotten stuff out of that. I think that um, I, I think I observe other people do it as well. Um, one of the benefits from that is I've seen people who came into Dynasty Really Green or I knew that they came into Dynasty Really Green because they had told me we had conversations sort of offline. I've seen how they've interacted and I've seen how they've gotten to be excellent Dynasty GMs. Um, so um, that's the pitch, right? That's the pitch. I, I mean, I, uh, I'm i always there to sort of you know, be there with people, um, uh, but I don't want to sort of be a crutch either, right? So what we end up doing is we learn a lot from each other, I think. We kick ideas back and forth, um, and then we really see uh, growth, I think, in terms of the the level of dynasty GM that you are when you come in versus what you are now, right? And, you know, we've got people who um, are writing chapters now, right? We've got people who are guests on podcasts. We've got people producing some content. You know, we've, we have really good dynasty GMs. You're going to be interacting with good people. That's the huge benefit of it. Um, and Tim, fortunately, uh, shared, I'm newer to dynasty and AOD. The group me is definitely worth it. Well, thank you, Tim. Um, what do we do with Kyler Murray? Good question. Um, so Kyler Murray, uh, Kyler Murray was going to be like this year's Deshaun Watson for me a little bit. Is kind of what I thought about. Like, hey, if we lose the year, we got to kind of figure out a way to build around him to take him. Right. That was one of the things with when we had Watson last year. I was like, okay, well, there's like some very natural. Like Watson has some very natural foils. Like you take Watson, then you take Brady. Right. Like in. Like they're going to blend pretty, pretty well together. Um, you know, if you lose Watson for an extended period of time, you get Brady to sort of backfill the year and it blends, right? Um, we don't have Brady as that option, right? I think um, as we get a little bit more information, we'll have a little bit more comfort on, on doing that. I am assuming that we're not going to get Kyler Murray all year. I think that's probably um, a Johnny Rain Cloud assumption, right? That's probably a pessimistic version of of um the most pessimistic view in the room uh, he's probably going to get back but again maybe if he gets back thanksgiving you know how good is that team you know do they just keep him out the whole year and you know t tank for whoever you know i don't i don't know if they're in that business but you get the idea like he's going to come back later in the season we're not sure necessarily what we're going to get um so if you want to go him early you have to sort of make Right. Again, if he came to me in the second round, I think it's a smash pick. If I got to spend 107 on him, I don't necessarily love that. Right. So that's kind of how I would think about that. Um, if you're going to, if he's going to be part of your draft plan, if he's going to be kind of at the bottom of your t a, a tier that you're sort of sitting there and be like, he's the best player in the board, I got to take him. Uh, just think about the consequences of that when you're selecting him. Right. This is, again, you go in with a lot of flexibility and say, I'm just going to sort of do smart things and let it fall where they may. Um, taking him cheap is a smart thing. And then you just have to say, all right, is, is my lean in going to be, you know, if in two weeks I have an idea that Carr is going to be a starter someplace that I like that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Rogers is returning, right? Like we get some clarity on Kirk Cousins and, you know, we start, we get into, you know, we have a better idea about what Ryan Tannehill's future is going to be, right? Those things will begin to become more clear as the month of February rolls on. Uh, you will have more options to go to, right? So I would say Kyler Murray is probably a better startup plan once we sort of get – we'll know more what to do or how to build around Kyler Murray as the offseason rolls on, right? I think that that's a play that I'd probably just – 
if I'm going to do it now, I think there's a lot of risk of like, can I actually pair him with the right solutions as opposed to, Hey, if I'm going to take him in, 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 in a, a late March draft, I'm probably going to know like, Hey, I can do Carr, I can do Rogers, you know, here's three or four guys that I can sort of pair with, you know, another elite quarterback to sort of really make this thing fit over the next year or two. Right. I think that's what I would really be thinking about with Kyler. I don't, I wouldn't take him probably in the first round, in the middle of the first round. But if he's there in the middle of the second, it's very, it's pretty compelling. Even though I don't necessarily love the profile, like you have to kind of love it at that price. And then you have to kind of make the decision about, all right, am I just going to tank or am I going to sort of, you know, draft? I don't ever like to tank. Um, but if I'm going to draft some veteran guys around him, sort of how do I make that work, right? All that stuff. So, so yeah, so that's the uh, – that's kind of the angles that I would be thinking on, right? It's uh, multifactorial, which is um, was said on a podcast one time, and I was like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" So that would be the thing that I would think about. So, um, so yeah. So I, again, I think that there's a lot that sort of goes into that, um, and uh, and you know, those would be sort of the decision points. It those are the process you have to make, and then your level of comfort, right? So, so that's all that there. So, um, yeah. So. Um, so that's, I think, all the questions here. I have a, uh, let me just refresh here the, the sheet. Looks like that's it. Uh, if anyone has any last-minute questions here, I will, uh, I can grab them here in the in the chat. Um, but otherwise, I do appreciate everyone coming along. I, I want to say that um, I, I've been, I've been super blessed and fortunate uh, with AOD. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, I talked about this in the book, in the preface to the book, that my wife was actually, before I ever was, like, convinced that this thing could work, um, my wife was like, you have to do this. And, you know, I was writing, I was doing the thing, and I was like, you know, I think we could, you know, you know, uh, you know, make AOD kind of a, you know, I was kind of pitching what AOD has become to her as, like, a kind of, you know, just throwing stuff against the wall. And um, this was maybe, like, three years ago, four years ago. Um, and she knew that like at that point I was pretty unhappy with the stuff that I was doing in my day job. Um, you know, the dictatorial boss that I referred to earlier. Um, and so, um, you know, we'd kind of thought, you know, thought about it, all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, the, I actually left that job. I went to a different job and I, uh, and then COVID happened and it was like a six week span where those things happened. Um, and that was after the release of the 2020 edition. So that would have been the second edition of the book. Um, and again, the Patreon, I started just recording Patreon stuff. Actually, I went back and looked. I misremembered this. Um, and because I was actually, the funny story, I always, I work like three days a week, four days a week out of a Starbucks. Um, and I've become friends with the manager. And she was asking me kind of about the business. And I told her that I had launched it you know, during COVID. And then I actually went back and I looked. The Patreon started in January of that year. Um, and I, I forgot that I had actually launched it from that Starbucks. And so it was between, it was in the two-week span between uh, my jobs. It was actually when I got it off the, the thing and then COVID took off. And so I just started doing Dynasty Dailies. Like, that's how it all took off. But I was fortunate and blessed to sort of be that that, that all fell together in a way that I never really thought that would happen. So, um, so I'm super lucky, right? And I'm super lucky that, um, you know, that I've met a lot of people. You know, it's funny because um, I tell my wife all the time, like, I, I need to meet some, like, friends in real life. Right? Like, I have a lot of friends and um, I have a lot of interests that, that 
don't make me a lot of friends in real life. Like I like to ride my bike, um, far distances, like in the middle of nowhere, which isn't super social. And I like to spend my time like talking about football at a high level and reading spreadsheets, which doesn't subject me. You know, you have conversations with, with people about football. Um, you know, when you think a lot more about than other people, like what those conversations can, um, yeah, they can leave you a little bit emotionally lacking at times we'll say. So, um, so I have been fortunate in my life to be able to meet a lot of people in ways that I frankly would never have, um, uh, without AOD. Um, so that's left me very happy. Um, I also, um, I had applied for a job, interviewed for a job, went through the interview process for a job that, uh, was in the fantasy space. And it was going to be one of those things where it was like, uh, is this going to sort of cost, am I going to have to give up AOD to do this? And, um, my almost instant reaction as I was sort of applying for the job and it became a reality was like, that's not really what I want to do. Like, I don't, you know, but the, the offer was interesting. Like it was compelling, you know, but it was going to require a lot to make it work. And as I kept going through that process, I just kept realizing like they were, they were nice. Like it was a, it was a good experience. They treated me fine and everything, but that was not what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to do this that I wanted to do. And it became clear after a couple of meetings like it was just never going to emotionally satisfy me in the way that that aod does and interacting with all you guys does and you know and the the work process that goes behind this and all that so um so yeah so it was one of those things where it was like okay is aod kind of here to stay right and it, it always sort of was in the back of my mind but someone kind of dangled something in front of me and um I realized like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's here to stay because uh, it's here for the long term. Because I realized that once I started to talk about not doing it anymore, it like made me kind of nauseous. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of the AOD state of the union um, and kind of where we're at. So um, again, I'm super thankful um, again for all the relationships that are here. They're awesome um, for all the stories and for all the subscriber, um, you know, kickassery that goes on in their leagues like that stuff gives me a lot of energy and it gives me a lot of optimism and keeps me doing you know keeps me you know constantly sort of searching for edges because i use them and then i know you guys are using them and we're, we're you know we're benefiting from it so i just want to thank everyone uh for being here for this again it's a little aod state of the union um oh good a good uh question here aod learnings paid for my family vacation this year first place uh, first year in made thirteen hundred dollars on 425 dollars entries there you go there you go so that's the endorsement from the uh, subscription my roi last year was i believe 132 percent so someone asked that as well so um and derek we get the trade data from the football guys uh forum so that'll do it here for this edition. And um, uh, thank you all for pre-ordering. Thank you all for being here. This has been awesome. Um, and uh, I will probably release this as a pod in some way, shape, or form. I haven't quite decided how I'm going to do that yet, but I will um, share that along if you want to listen back. Um, but thank you. I appreciate you being here. And that'll do it for this Q&A. And I want to do some more of these too. So we'll talk about that among subscribers as well. So um, that will be stuff that we will be, uh, we'll be looking forward to new content here going into 2023. So that'll do it for this one. Until next time, we'll talk again. Continue embracing the variants. And we'll talk again very soon.